we'll follow on directly with, with Ben, Ben Page. Thank you. I think my brief is to talk about the, the politics of this, but I thought that was a bit boring, so I'm just going to talk about patients and politicians and uh, the problem that anybody in this country has trying to please the public, because they're, I think we've just seen just how ungrateful the public are. In 2005, they elected a government, and the key issue they said in their choice of government in 2005 was what they were going to do about the NHS. By most indicators, the NHS and indeed patient satisfaction got better, remarkably so in some cases, between 2005 and 2010, and then they kicked them out. Um, uh, The slides, uh, there are a lot of slides, they serve no useful purpose except to remind me what to say. Um, If you want them, you can email ben.page at ipsos.com and somebody long-suffering will send them to you, but otherwise I will whip along using them as something just to remind me what to tell you about. I think the first thing is to say that at the moment, and this is going to be very interesting, we, we, we ask every month what keeps you awake at night, what worries you about what are the biggest problems facing this country, and it's certainly the case that over the last 13 years or so, people are less likely to say the NHS more likely to mention things like crime until recent immigration and race and obviously this nasty pink thing and unemployment is bouncing around and so by most measures if you look at what kept people awake at night in 1997 with the top two things which one isn't showing on there were were NHS and education both of those in terms of long-term trends currently have lower levels of anxiety than uh, for some time now we have just spent a lot of money on these services but the public uh, by most measures is more positive about them than they were back in the 1990s. And that is one challenge, particularly in in one sense, it would have been even more of a challenge if the Conservatives had managed a small majority because they still have the problem that Mrs Thatcher has where they have to tell you all the time that the NHS is safe in their hands because people don't all believe them. Uh, as Anna has remarked, we do have, in the, when we ask people in a survey that's just dedicated to the NHS, which we do every few months for DH, the highest level of satisfaction that we've seen with the NHS for some time. So it's 73% of us, including people who don't use it and only use Booper and don't even like it. It's still pretty good. And if you compare that with the government, certainly the back end of last year, only had 25% satisfied of it. They're currently giving the coalition the the benefit of the doubt. The coalition, of course, is deeply mindful of the fact that Mrs Thatcher became as unpopular as Gordon Brown within about 18 months uh, after she did her first austerity budget. So wait until June the 22nd. And then, of course, for us, even more importantly, wait for the comprehensive spending review of the autumn. And then we'll start to see what happens. But it is, in one sense, the NHS should be celebrating this. It's probably about as good as it's going to get, I suspect, on many of these measures in terms of perception for some time. And overall, when you look at different parts of the service, and some of the wiggly lines are simply because the samples aren't huge, generally, you know, over the last period, an upward trend. Interestingly, where the targets were sometimes, you know, were most dramatically applied for our weights in A&E, have seen the biggest rise in satisfaction. So I don't know if they're staying or going. Somebody will tell me what the latest is. But that certainly did have an impact on, on public perception. And we now have 71%, Anna, who believe that the service is one of the best in the world. Um, so they may be wrong. Um, they also think we have the best newspapers in the world and 60% that we have the best army in the world. We're very patriotic. Only 49% will think we put quality at the heart of everything we do. And the sort of numbers on whether or not it does the best treatment possible, sort of still, still pretty positive. But generally, you know, lots and lots of warmth. Quality, not absolutely sure. Where they're more critical, uh, generally these are things, the green stuff they agree with. I know where to get information, 30% so they don't. Getting MRSA under control, 28% disagree, despite the trends being there. Quality of NHS services will be maintained in the future. 48% think they will, 24% think they won't. And the NHS is getting better at managing its budgets. 21% say yes, 45% say no. 
And, of course, one, in particular if you're a conservative voter or a conservative politician you're keen on, uh, 75%, despite being very happy with the NHS, also believe there's lots of waste and inefficiency. And we'll look in detail at some of the uh, policies the Conservatives proposed before they found themselves in a shotgun marriage, just to see what, what might change on that. And so generally the trends on that, if you look at that, it's pretty, it doesn't really change over the last few years. Three quarters of us consistently said there's waste and efficiency and consistently said we love the NHS as well. So, I, you know, I guess that's, you know, that's OK. What's the problems? Uh, what's the biggest problem facing the NHS? The big black line at the top, you, it starts around the election in 2005, a lack of resources. So after doubling expenditure, it still lacks resources and investment. And if anything, we're getting more and more worried. Bureaucracy seems, if anything, to be receding slightly. Waiting times are still in there. Not enough doctors and doctors and nurses still in there. And the idea that we're going to have lots of problems because over this next period, the number of uh, people over 65 grows by 2.5 million over the next seven years. Well, we've got about 11% of the population who recognise that that might be an issue. So some challenges, I think, in terms of expectation management. And this is heavily driven by newspaper coverage, and that's what's going to be so interesting to see in a sort of slightly butterfly collector-like way that I am in terms of public opinion, to see what happens once things start to bite. Now, during the election, interestingly, despite uh, everything, actually, the NHS was still the number two issue that people said they used to determine how they vote when they thought about policy. Of course, the difference with this election, with all previous elections, was that policy mattered less than ever. And for the first time in this general election, and it's only the first time we had the presidentialisation of British politics, for the first time people said that the leaders themselves, would, and this is before the leaders' debates, would matter as much as the policies in terms of who they voted. Partly perhaps because actually they didn't see a huge ideological difference between the parties on some of these things. But nevertheless, in terms of the policies, the NHS is still right in there. And in terms of who was best, actually, depending on you know, when you ask it, but Labour still was doing best, but it just didn't matter. They didn't like his leader. It was time for a change. And they were very, very worried about the economy on which the Conservatives had managed to regain their traditional advantage. But in terms of where the Conservatives were, are on this, if you just look at whether people think the Conservatives are best or Labour's best, in the mid-1990s, um, in the run-up to the election that saw Tony Blair win, you can see Labour was massively ahead on the NHS. And interestingly, despite all the investment, despite falling waiting times, despite better survival rates, etc., 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 people became less and less positive about Labour. And again, I think this just shows that people just get fed up with politicians. I can show you the same chart on crime, with crime going down and people becoming angrier and angrier with the government's performance. on it. They just get fed up with them. And the Conservatives managed to improve their position in terms of their credibility on it, uh, and of course mostly by keeping quiet. What's interesting when you start to look at the, the people who are now in the House of Commons, this is a survey we did of people who were going to become MPs, and what they saw as the issue. Interestingly, all MPs, as they hear, you can go and do your special pleading, go and visit them, see your MP, uh, they all say uh, the biggest problem is lack of investment, whether they're Tory, Labour or Lib Dem. Labour are a bit more likely to mention ageing population. The coalition partners are much more likely to mention bureaucracy. Labour, and of course perhaps reflecting the areas they serve, more likely to say public health problems. And then the Tories, of course, thinking are not, the targets are terrible, not enough choice is more of an issue. But interestingly, that how similar actually the MPs are on the top one to the rest of the population and how they're going to all have to cut their coat according to the cloth etc so what about the conservative agenda do you think that we should give more health services to doctors and nurses rather than to managers and politicians what a splendid idea so we'll scrap the four-hour waits and let people running an A&E decide how long you should wait that'll be okay fewer national targets and more local control splendid splendid um small problem about if people in one area start getting faster treatment than somebody else but anyway 
reducing the number of managers by NHS by a third, only 14% think that would be a bad idea. So managers are evil and must reinvent their job titles as fast as possible. Um, but of course, a thing that would save a lot of money but must never be contemplated, freezing the pay of all who work in the NHS, something that the private sector has done um, quite cheerfully in, in large parts of the economy, but we don't want to impose uh, on anybody else. Publishing all internet spent on the internet, all spending over £1,000, they're pretty mixed about. And we'll come on to making people change their lifestyle before they're allowed treatment. In theory, people like it. When it turns out to be their mum who is told she needs to lose some weight before the heart op, uh, there may be a problem. So I just thought I'd look at the coalition commitments and then just see where the public are. So guaranteeing that health spending uh, increases in real terms, this is a good idea, we like this. We believe that the NHS is crucial to British society and we must do everything we can to maintain it. Tony Blair used to want to see the lines on this chart cross over and have more people saying the NHS was a great project but we probably can't maintain it in its current form. It needs to be radically changed, the involvement of the private sector. And he and Paul Corrigan, very disappointed. The public just resolutely stick to it. They love it. And now, what about this? Um, there should be limits on what's spent on the NHS. 44% agree, 48% disagree, including 31% who think there should be any limit at all. So at current rates of inflation, by around 2050, the public sector will be the NHS and there won't be anything else. Now, what about value for money? The NHS should provide the most effective drugs and treatments, provided they represent good value for money. So 28% of people take the Treasury view. 41% believe the NHS should provide the most effective drugs, no matter what they cost. They want to be in some, as we've seen, in some part of America. And then 31% just want all drugs, whether they work or not, and whatever they cost. But, you know, this is, you know, this is clearly going to be a problem going forward. And I think the challenges we face are that gradually people are realising that maybe spending cuts will be necessary in a rather abstract sense. So we've gone from 39% to 54% of the people in Britain who agree there is a real need to cut spending on public services in order to pay off the very high national debt we now have. And the proportion who disagree, it was a majority uh, last summer, it's now down to about 4 in 10. Still quite divided, but the onslaught of press coverage around this and the sort of announcements that the Prime Minister now feels able to make you know, are showing that this movement is happening. The question is, um, this is all fine in the abstract. And, of course, you know, what do we want protected? Well, of course, the NHS has to be protected. So, you know, goodbye play school and all that sort of thing. And the, the other challenge we, I think we have is that most people will agree this green stuff here that we can make services more efficient to pay off the debt we have without damaging services the public receives. So by scrapping all the managers and the targets and the bureaucracy, stopping reconfigurations, we can save so much money that it'll all be fine and everything will be good. Um, other things. We're going to incentivize ways of improving access to primary care in disadvantaged areas. I mean, one thing I would say in terms of perception... The NHS is much better at dealing with poverty than, say, local government. So there is less variation in terms of how people feel about NHS services according to levels of poverty where they live than there is in terms of how they feel about, say, local government services. Now, you can work, work out what you want to say about that. We're going to be able to choose any provider. We've sort of heard that before, if it meets NHS standards, but within NHS prices. Those are. And detailed data about the performance of healthcare providers online so everyone will know who's providing a good service and who's falling behind. The difficulty of that, of course, is that the heaviest users of the NHS, working class pensioners, 14% of them are online, and a smaller proportion will want to go and look at this information. But generally, you know, in the very large-scale surveys, you know, generally, is it, are you happy with how easy to get from on the phone? 87%. Did you get an appointment on the same or the next day as the surgery was open? 87%. Uh, were you able to get an appointment with a doctor more than two full days in advance? You know, these numbers aren't bad. You know, it's, not, it's not the issue that it was in the past. 
booking GP's appointment. Last time you wanted to, you were able to make an appointment with a particular doctor, 88%. Was you happy with the surgery as, 82%. So some of the changes that we've made do seem to be feeding through. What about waiting times? Are you happy of how long you had to wait from referral? 76% satisfied. If you compare that to, say, how people would have felt in the 1990s, it's pretty good news. On choice, people aren't obsessed about it. It's not top of their list of priorities, but they'll have it if it's offered. Are you aware that you can get it? 77%. Aware of where you'd get the information to do something with it? A bit lower. But nevertheless, we're seeing um, this sort of gradual rise in awareness. And of course, that was always the idea that it would lead to more demanding and articulate patients getting, putting pressures on a monopoly provider. We'll strengthen the power of GPs by enabling them to commission care. What do people think about this? Well, I thought I'd look for practice-based commissioning. And generally, perhaps unsurprisingly, most GPs say they support it as a policy. Like that idea? Has it improved patient care? Well, back in uh, 2008, we saw about 31% who disagreed that it would, 13% said it has, but actually, generally, that's been creeping up, and the proportion who say it's too early to tell is diminishing. So now they're even Stevens between whether or not it is or it isn't, or has, has so far improved patient care. Is it leading to new services? They're saying it is. So again, some of the changes that perhaps people wanted to see, 64% say it is now up from 33%. What do you think about the quality of managerial support provided by your PCT? More mixed, but half say it's good. 39% say it's poor, so it's pretty mixed. There'll be big variations around the country. But, you know, GPs themselves don't seem too allergic to some of the things the government's proposing. A stronger voice of patients locally through directly elected individuals. The local PCT will act as a champion for patients. It'll be important for the patients to know who it is um, and some, some progress to make there, I would suggest. But... Um, what do the public think? Well, they love the idea of being consulted. We love the idea of referendums and involving, getting involved in voting for things. You know, 20% say the public should be much more actively involved in shaping the NHS treatments and services that are available. 54%, the public should be consulted on decisions shaping NHS treatments, although the final decision should be made by qualified health professionals. Um, so they're a bit anxious about that. And actually, one in five don't want, presumably they're married to or working in the NHS, um, don't want the public involved at all. Leave it to the qualified health professionals. Thank you very much. And, of course, what we also want is treatment should only be made on the NHS if they're available to everyone, Herceptin or whatever it's going to be. It must be made available to everyone. It cannot be um, only 23% are really localists where they're based on local need rather than a one-size-fits-all policy. So we want fairness, remember. So it has to be, if somebody's going to get it, it has to be, it has to be fair. And I think this is one of the key challenges for this government that it believes in, uh, or at least we hear, if we believe everything it says, it believes in localisation, but it will rub up against its friends at the Daily Mail uh, in due course when things start to become local and different. And uh, that, I don't think that has fully been resolved. Because, you know, when you ask people what should happen, you see very, very divided attitudes. If there are going to be budget shortfalls and we have to choose, we have to prioritise, 29% say the NHS should do it, 30% say the government should prioritise, 18% say they want to pay more tax, some of them mean it, and 13% say they should pay a bit more themselves directly. But quite mixed. Generally, if anything, then you can see that they're, they're willing to accept some sort of prioritisation. But of course, the challenge in that is always going to be at that interface when you turn out to be the person who is not prioritised and uh, how those choices are made and, and, and the key thing of communicating that they are fair. 
And I think one of the challenges for the government with the big society is that we know people like the idea of it. This is a, just a typical example. What about the idea of a, Senate, a community partnership? We all get together to decide how to run services. I think that's a good idea. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, and how about you? Are you going to be turning up? Uh, no, I don't, I don't plan to turn up. And what we normally find is that about 2% actually do. So 54% say no. And it's a bit like songs of praise, we find, in, in work for Ofcom on broadcasting, we found that often people would say, well, you know, Songs of Praise is paid for by taxpayers' money. So, do you ever watch it? Never. Do you, would you like to have your taxes spent? Oh, yes. Well, why is that? Well, I just know it's there. I might have a spiritual crisis. And I think, to a certain extent, some of these mechanisms, it's not that people expect to turn up themselves and get involved, but they want to know that they're there. At the same time, of course, they're worried about capture by busybodies and do-gooders. I always find it fascinating in this country that, you know, we believe that more people should get involved, we believe that more people should take responsibility, and then when people do, we call them do-gooders and, you know, that sort of thing. So I think there are three questions, you know, are... Is it all going to be about national standards, or are we going to have sort of basing on local need? How will the public deal with the spending gap, and whether they really genuinely want to be more involved in decision-making, and at what level? Uh, people do want to be asked about their treatment and have alternatives explained to them, although they may then defer to their doctor. But um, on this, you know, the key issue is fairness. We know that lots and lots of people right across public services say, I, want to be, I, I think public should be more involved in, in shaping services, but they also want services to be the same everywhere. 90% of people in Britain, if asked directly, want the NHS to be providing the same services everywhere. 70% of people in Britain want recycling to be the same everywhere. And we even asked about grass cutting in parks. And if the government could do it and guarantee that grass would be the same length in all parks, they'd have that as well. So that's a problem. And on the spending gap, I think prioritisation means different things to different people. For some people, it's about a clinical assessment with NICE. For others, it might be about, you know, we need to address long-term long public health issues. And on decision-making, we know that people like the idea, but too often there are just too many meetings. Uh, and, you know, people are very, very busy. And, in fact, if they can see objective clinical evidence, although MRS, you know, all, all the you know, vaccinations and uh, things show how muddy that can become, actually they are happy to, to rely on what the medical profession will tell them about what the right decision might be. But some big issues about, you know, subjectivity, vested interests creeping in. Next thing, frontline staff more control of their working environment. Now, I don't know if this means how hot it is or how they're organised, but one of the biggest lessons to me looking at the last decade, the thing that just is so striking is that so much has been spent on people, on staff, and yet at the end of that process often they were more pissed off than at the, at the beginning. And I think one of the things that we look at, when we look at how people make judgments about the National Health Service, it used to be that the second from the top bar, support for the government, was the key driver. You thought the NHS was doing well if you liked the government, and if you didn't like the government, you didn't like the NHS. In the last tw uh, 20 months or so, as we hit that tipping point on waiting times, finally your own personal experience turns out now to be the, the, to be the biggest driver, even though most people, of course, don't use the NHS. They go to a doctor or a hospital. The NHS is something people like us sit around debating. But interestingly, in terms of negative drivers, our friends in the press, this perception of, of bureaucracy, and a key issue, of course, people slagging off the NHS. And of course, who does that most? People working in it. And, you know, what's so striking is that if you look across the public sector, as we do, in terms of what people say about their overall organisation that they're employed in, their overall national service, 
typically you would see very, very high levels of people, you know, saying, actually, we're doing a great job here in St. Aldridge's, you know, oncology department or in ortho here or whatever it is. But, of course, the NHS as a whole is run by nutters and it's got completely mad targets and it's dreadful. And, you know, it doesn't really matter whether you're, you know, nurses. I mean, people are a bit more positive, but GPs in particular, of course, the most trusted individuals in this country. I'm very happy to slag off everything in its works. And so we're now going, this is in a benign period when their pay has been going up. We're now going into a less benign period. What are they going to say now? So I do think that going forward, everybody's powers of persuasion and leadership are going to be sorely tested. We know that giving people more money uh, has not made them happier. Uh, There is absolutely no evidence of that. We also know that cutting people's pay, even by a small amount, makes them very, very cross. And it's very small things that make a difference. It's funny, at the Treasury, do you know what they're really moaning about at the moment? Their free newspapers have been taken away. In my own company, I cancelled the free fruit last year. I was providing apples and pears and bananas, about £40,000 a year to my staff. So I stopped because it was, we were feeling a bit skint last year. And I had more trouble over that than I did over cancelling the final salary pension scheme. Which shows that either people at Moray are very young and fit, or I don't know, or mad. But anyway, it's you know. But I think some big issues because when you look at what the healthcare commission was saying about individual trusts, whether they were rubbish or good on use of resources and overall management, what I find so interesting is this sense about where we're going and the clarity about what's happening. Senior managers care about me. Well, they never care about you in the NHS. There's only a ten-point difference between the best and the worst. But I understand my role and how it fits into the bigger picture. A 22-point gap. People will need to know, as we go into this new world and more and more changes still, you know, what makes them difference. It will not be about the money. There is no relationship between how people feel about their pay and their organisation's overall performance. But this huge links around feeling listened to, feeling valued, being able to show initiative... And this key one, understanding if you, even if you're the porter or whether you're a consultant, what the overall trust is trying to achieve. And I think that is something that clearly didn't work in the last period. And one big question, I think, for the Conservatives is whether things will be very different in the future. Thank you. Thanks very much, Ben.